Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Fearless Parody Podcast Show. You know, parody doesn't come with a manual. It either does parody a child, preteen, or teenager. In fact, parody is very scary. It can cause every parent out there to be fearful, me included. The goal, the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with information and resources that help you overcome family life struggles difficulties and challenges and to be able to parent fearlessly. So every week we provide information and resources to help grow your parental leadership while growing the leadership of your child, preteen, or teenager. In short, we are here to help you and your children become the best versions of yourselves. So get ready and dive right in to today's episode. Hello, moms, dads, guardians. We're back again on the Fearless Parenting Podcast with my special guest host, Brad Ballridge. Since 1998, Brad has become one of the nation's leading college planning and college financial experts. He offers life-changing advice through his private practice, his online platforms, and at numerous workshops, seminars, and events each year. Brad teaches parents the best ways to save and pay for college, including how to find the right school, maximize financial aid and scholarships, avoid that student loan debt, and make your children's college dreams come true without wiping out your finances or retirement. So welcome him back once again. Without further ado, here is Brad Baldrige. Brad, thank you for being back with us one more time, brother. Right. It's great to be here. You know, you kind of touched on this just a little bit. It, it piqued my interest and probably the interest of, of many of my parents out there because I have heard you say time and time again, the price you see on the website is not necessarily the price you have to pay or they'll be called upon to pay when you go to the school. Help us out on that, brother. Why is that? Right. So most schools have essentially two or three different ways that they can help provide aid. One is based on need. So that's why we fill out financial aid forms. So we fill out financial aid forms and based on those forms, you know, some colleges are more generous than others. But again, if our income and assets show that we deserve some additional funds, then uh, the college can provide those funds. And again, they can provide federal money, things like Pell Grants and student loans. They can provide some of their own money, which is typically a scholarship, sometimes preferred loans and other things as well. Um, So that's one avenue. Another avenue is many colleges will also do what's called merit aid. So for the strong students, and strong is relative to that college. So you take a student that's average at Notre Dame, and they could be a strong student at Marquette or St. Louis University or something like that. So it's a relative thing. But if you are that strong student, then they may have scholarships available. And again, some colleges will have like automatic scholarships of, you know, 10,000 if you're at this level and 12,000 at that level and 30,000 at this level. And as you, you know, your test scores and your grades and other factors get better, the scholarships get better. So for a lot of families, you know, encouraging your kid to 
put up the best grades they can is well worth it because it can have an impact um, in the cost. Well, you most certainly will do that, but I'm also hearing something else that, uh, you know, it seems to me that these colleges are competitive. I mean, they're competing to have that student and the money that would go with that student go to their college. Now, am I right or wrong on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, Colleges are very much competing, especially for the top students. Um, When you get to the very elite schools, you know, the Harvard and Yale and the Ivy League and Stanford and University of Chicago and all those high-end name brand schools we've all heard of, they march to their own drum because they essentially are in such demand. You know, they acceptance rates now are five, six percent, which means, you know, they get 20 applications for every spot. So they can be selective. They don't, you know, and, and they could charge full price. They could even raise their prices and people would come and happily pay. But that's not where most of us go to college. I mean, nope. that's only one or two percent of the overall college going um, people out there. The rest of us are going to the local state schools or going to a lot of the other private schools. And all of those schools do need to compete for students. And some of them will compete on price. Some of them compete on amenities or majors or all different uh, aspects. So finding a school that's a good fit at the right price takes a little bit of effort in understanding, well, what is it actually going to cost? And understanding, will I get need-based aid? Will I get merit aid? And if I will, how do I find schools where we can maximize that? Well, there goes that effort word that you're using again there, Brad. Uh, Bob's and dads, it's going to take effort on your part. It's going to take effort on the student part, the student's part. Stay out of trouble. Get good grades. The efforts on the parents' parts is that you got to put in the work to do the research. And you could go out and do it the hard way or the easy way, but I'm telling you, my man Brad here has set up a system and I'm not getting paid. This is not a paid endorsement, but he does have a system on his site to help you navigate through uh, these uh, turbulent college waters so that you can provide the best opportunity out there for your child. So I want to touch on something else that you talked about, Brad. Uh, you, you mentioned about retirement accounts and, and, and things like that, or, or you know, people's savings account, them getting wiped out. So many parents worry that pay for college will wipe out or delay their retirement. So, Brad, how can families balance paying for college and, and at the same time uh, planning for uh, retirement. So planning for college and being able to plan for uh, retirement. Right. Yeah. So if you think about the very basics, if you, you know, when you got your first job when you were young and you said, all right, I'm going to start saving 10% for retirement. And you did that the whole time. And that was enough to, you know, create a successful retirement. Well, great. Now that's done. Now you say, well, in addition to that, I've got to save 400 a month to cover my college goals. And if you can do that, well, great. And again, I'm making these numbers up for every family. It's going to be a little bit different. The challenge is if if you ask a lot of people, are you on track for retirement? They would say, well, I don't know. And then someone comes along and says, you need to spend $100,000 to get these two kids through college. And now all of a sudden you're saying, oh, that's a lot of money. 
that could mess up my retirement. But you don't even really know if you're on track. But, you know, so it might already be messed up and college is going to make it worse. But, you know, I had a dad a while ago. He his daughter got accepted to NYU. She was a talented singer and dancer, and she was part of the performing arts at NYU. It was her dream to go to that school right there near Broadway. And she was also a strong student. So she knocked it out of the park. She got 35,000 in scholarships. Of wow. course, the school was worth cost 70. So that brought the price from 70 down to 35, which is five or 10,000 more than the local state school. And, but we did the math and figured out, well, dad was on track for retirement and dad could afford to pay that. So it gave dad confidence knowing, putting in the work, figuring out not only the retirement side, but that helped also helped him know that, hey, we could take care of the college side too. So parents need not be afraid to find out where they stand financially so that they can actually make some effective planning uh, for their child. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's what it boils down to is spending the time to, you know, make sure we're on track. And that's where overall financial planning, you know, college planning is retirement planning for many families because it's a huge, you know, other than your house, perhaps is one of the biggest expenses most families are going to deal with. And if you don't do it well, it can have an impact on your retirement. And for many families, but that's their goals, right? My number one goal is to retire comfortably at whatever age. My number two goal is to educate my kids. And then everything else after that is gravy, so to speak. But that's not the way a lot of families show up at you know around college time because again, the they've learned how to spend every penny they make. They just you know remodeled the house or they just moved to the next bigger house because they got a house full of teenagers now and everything's expensive and all the sports fees and we need another car. And then you say, well, okay, now let's put college on top of it. And sometimes families have to make that decision, you know, spending a thousand a month on dance classes or saving a thousand a month for college. Maybe we can't do both or maybe you can, but it would be good to work it out and figure out what, you know, if it makes sense or not. And that's where most families kind of don't spend the time to figure it out. They just kind of fall through it. And you do have to take the time to figure it out, uh, Brad. You know, I'm a disabled vet, and there were things I just did not know. And uh, come to find out that there were certain amenities that were offered to my children to be able to go to college. But because I I didn't know, almost didn't take advantage of them, and just happened to have a friend say, hey, do you know about this? Do you know about this? It started looking into it. And, you know, my kids receive a, a stipend for uh, going to college uh, and, and other amenities that we weren't aware of, but boy, are they taking advantage of it now. And it actually helped one of my children who was thinking about staying at a private college. They say, hey, if I go to the state school, I get this, this, and this. And she she was able to do some adulting, say, you know what, I don't need to build up a whole lot of debt over here. I need to go over here where I'm going to have these benefits. And, hey, I sort of happened into that. But again, Bob and Dad, you don't have to just happenstance into things. You've got a resource here 
is Brad Baldridge, who's willing to help you out and help you navigate those fields. And Brad, I don't know if you do anything with uh, vets and, and their kids so far as in letting them know about what's available to them. Yeah, I am aware of the the benefits and I've helped a couple. Um, it's not a big part of what I do, but it does come up here and there. And I think that's the challenge, right? There's a lot of things out there that are only useful for a small percentage, right? Athletics would be another great example. You know, every college has teams, and but overall, it's like 1% or 2% of high school athletes go on to become college athletes in many sports. So it's a very small percentage, but for those percentage, you do need to understand it. Right. And, if you don't ask, you know, right. just say, hey, here, here's what we have, grades, uh, activities that my child has been involved in, uh, a little bit about the parent, and then go to you and have you help them way through all the unknown to try to come up with something that's going to be the right fit for that particular uh, family. Uh, Brad, one other thing you said is kind of blows my mind about private college, uh, because when I think of schools, I'm thinking, okay, if I go to the state school, the state school is going to be cheaper. A while ago, you said, uh, sometimes that's not necessarily true. Sometimes the private school is actually cheaper than the state school. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, why is that that way? And uh, because people think, once again, private schools, they got to be expensive because they're private schools. Right. Yeah, exactly. And again, because of the way the aid system works between federal grants and scholarships from the schools themselves, they can be very low cost. Another thing to keep in mind, too, is there's a lot of schools out there that have at the very top, right? They may offer eight or 10 or 20 full ride scholarships to various um, student body, right? So it might be high academic achievers. It might be athletes. It might be uh, leaders of various types or people that have done a good job in volunteer work or whatever it might be. So and a lot of times they do a little of each, right? They go, you know, we've got two for the People have done great as in science fairs, and we've got a couple things for national merit scholars, and we've got a couple things for athletes, and a couple things for minorities, and a couple programs for people that have done well academically in the sciences or whatever it might be. And if you win those scholarships, maybe your tuition will be zero for four years. But you need to understand what it takes to win them because at one school, it might you might have to have you know, essentially a 4.0, never gotten anything less than an A. At another school, maybe a 3.5 is what it takes to win that scholarship, where you can have a B here and there. Or maybe this school, it's going to be a fantastic essay. Um, so I've had parents and, and students decide that they were going to go for it at five or six of those types of schools. And if the full ride came through, great. And if it didn't, then they had plan B, which was some state schools and other choices that would also make sense. So a lot of times we're building a list based on, you know, what's going on with a particular family and trying to figure out, well, these schools will work because you qualify for a big merit award at this school or might qualify. We don't know for sure. Other times over here, like 
Harvard and Yale and the high-end schools, they don't offer any need-based aid at all, right? Everybody to get accepted has to be a rock star. And they don't try and pick the rockiest rock star and then give them money. They just say nobody gets money that way. But when it comes to need-based aid, they're crazy generous. You know, a family earning 150000 probably would get more aid from Harvard, such that Harvard would cost less than their local state school. That now, is amazing. Right. But your kids got to get accepted to Harvard. That's the challenge. <laughs> got to have the grades and everything else to go along with it. Hey, I'll, I'll put you on the slight spot here. Uh, what about uh, parents with kids with special needs? Um, like, for example, I, I have a son who's high functioning, autistic, very smart, uh, you know, but he does have that uh, disability. Are, are there schools out there and programs that might help somebody like that? Yes, for sure. So some schools have. Because I told you he was a rock star. And I'm a hush now, Brad. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. Some schools have literally support programs that are. And an adder, right? We're going to take advantage of the support program and it costs another $3,000 a year. But we get these extra services. Um, some schools, they don't charge extra, but there's a lot of schools now. I mean, there's schools that focus on blind or deaf or physically disabled, certainly ADHD. And on the spectrum, there's many schools that have decided that they're going to build a niche and pursue those types of students. Um, and again, it's just one of those extra things. Now you have to layer into it of not only do I have to find a school that's a good fit, but we have to deal with a special diet or a wheelchair or again, learning differences where we're going to need, you know, quiet rooms for all testing. And many schools will have a learning center or other uh, facilities where they can accommodate the things that you need. Um, some schools, you know, and again, it's a lot of schools will advertise that they can do it and maybe they don't do it as well as other schools, just like anything else when you're shopping, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You have know, the six items, you know, the six brooms at the store, they all look like brooms. They all may work, but you take the cheapest one and it may or may not, you know, be around a month from now. Same problem with, you know, shopping around the schools is, you know, talking with the schools and learning what they offer and going to see it, but then maybe talking with some students or other professionals that know a little bit more about how that works. And that's the other thing is there's been a big shift. You know, I help families with the planning and paying. I tend to work with parents. There are experts out there that will work with students that are struggling with what, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? Or I got to write all these essays or I need help with test prep. I mean, there's all kinds of services now to help families get over some of the hurdles to get into college and do, you know, do college as best as possible. Um, and, that and I interview a lot of those people on my website. Yeah. That comes into the decision-making process also as to where your child will go to school. All these different things seem to be that it would just build into that and helping you determine which way your child should go. And I also right. love that you plan A, plan B, and sometimes even plan C. Uh, but you have a plan when you're trying to get your child in college just based upon their needs, 
financial ability, grades, and everything. And moms and dads, that's why I say, hey, Brad here is a one-stop shopping place here, okay? So you could go in, a lot of a lot of good information that he has. Brad, tell my audience one more time, how can they find you online? Right, so tamingthehighcostofcollege.com is my website, and then Taming the High Cost of College is also my podcast. So obviously, if you're listening to this, you understand how podcasts work. We're out there wherever podcasts are sold, as they say. Um, but if you go to the website, we also have free resources and a newsletter and some calculators and all kinds of ways that you can just learn more. And then ultimately, if you want to have a free consult and, and chat a little bit, you can reach out through the website as well. All right, moms and dads, we're going to have these links in the podcast show description where you can find them. You just can click and it'll take you right to Brad's site and where you can find these uh, resources. I want to highly encourage you to subscribe to his podcast. And when you subscribe to his, subscribe to mine also because my show is bringing you guests like Brad to help you as parents and help your children and your preteens and teens become the best version of themselves. So, Brad, I want to thank you one more time for being part of my podcast. I appreciate having you all, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, Bob's Dads and Guardians, until next time, God bless. Well, that concludes another awesome episode. Please, please check out the podcast description where you'll find links to family and parenting resources. And I want to thank you, moms, dads, and guardians, for listening to today's Fearless Parenting Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and that it added value to you and your family. And I want to leave you with something that was once said by two-time Nobel Prize recipient Marie Curie, who once said that nothing in life is to be feared. It's only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. That is why we have this show, to help you understand more about parenting so that you can fear less. So I want to challenge you, like I always do, to go forth and fearlessly parent. God bless.